Anyang Haseo. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Hello Taekwondo podcast. The podcast for passionate martial artists. I'm your host, Josh DeBerardinas. Today, we're going to travel back in time and see how Taekwondo has changed over the decades. What's the same? What's different? And how has it changed for the better or worse? Our guest today is a ninth degree grandmaster in Taekwondo. He's trained thousands of students, some who've gone on to open up their own schools, and seven who've become master instructors themselves. I'm excited to introduce to you Mr. Robbie Lacey. Mr. Lacey, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So, you started Taekwondo before Star Wars existed, is what I heard. The same year. Yep. The same year. 1977 in April, I think April 21st of 1977. Okay, wow. So, you definitely have some authority to speak on Taekwondo, you know, as it was before versus how it is today. Yes, I am an old man. <laughs> I think that's what you're trying to say there, right? Very respectfully it's, so. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, what, um, you know... Give us some kind of idea of just some of the the big differences now that we might see. Like, how was Taekwondo back when you started? One of the big differences was age. There weren't many children that did Taekwondo back in 1977. And I started when I was 10. So most of the people, you know, you look at it now and kids are starting as young as two and three years old. That right. was That didn't happen back in 1977. I was, we were some of the youngest ones to ever start. Mr. Davis and myself, and we both trained in Mobile. And so there were fewer forms. Took the average adult about 12 months to get their black belt. Really? 12 months? Yes. In fact, Mr. Davis um, got his, I think, in 14, 12 to 14 months. His was pretty quick. Mine, I I had four no changes in a row when I was a probationary black belt. So that it took me about two years to do it. So once you got to first degree decided, you were supposed to stay a first degree decided for a full year before you tested for second. And then you would get your second degree probationary is what it was called. Same thing within two months, you get your second degree decided. Then you waited two years before you got your third degree. And that was just a third degree. There was nothing else, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think people need goals. People were not testing. They would get to first degree and wait a full year to test for their second degree. Obviously, you're going to lose a lot of children, parents, students. They get out of that habit of testing every two months. So they lose that goal, that that focus to get that done. So that's when we started adding the senior ranks and then decided for third degree that there needed to be some additional ranks as well to keep them testing at least once every year. Okay. And that way, because, it, you know, if you miss testing for three years and then you get out there and test, it doesn't always go well. Yes. You, you get out of the habit of testing, right, into that routine and your mindset, you relax, naturally relax because there's no immediate goal right there. So we, we found our students looked better when we made them test throughout their required three years of waiting. Now, besides just the you know, the system of belts. What what insight can you give us on maybe how Taekwondo has changed um, like culturally, like among the martial artists themselves or the perception, you know, in like the greater, you know, world around it? Well, and 
you know, some of this you have to take into account. I was 10 when I started and right. I'm 53 looking back at it. So it's a little, it looks a little different as an adult than it does to a kid. Right. But I will say there was a lot more testosterone. It was mu- much more testosterone driven. Um, my instructor never hesitated to lift a child off their feet by their ear. Um, if my instructor asked, I'll never forget Stan Mulkey. I'll never forget the guy's name, his first adult black belt that he got that he that got his black belt mr hodley asked him if he was going to be at testing to help and stan said i can i have to go to a wedding and my mother was standing right next to me and he said go put on your gear and he let her stan left bleeding because my instructor beat the tar out of him um it's so definitely different now it's definitely different my instructor in those days would have been in court or in jail quite often um as almost abusive Taekwondo, there weren't a lot of women that did it. Um, in fact, when I tested for my first degree, decided the last time I failed, um, I free sparred the ATA's first third degree black belt woman named Tammy Harvey. And the reason I failed is my instructor's instructor was there and she kicked me into a ceiling fan. I'll never forget we're in Mobile, Alabama, middle of summer, air conditioner didn't work. We're free sparring, and she kicks me, and I fall into the fan that's sitting next to the table, and I cried. And my instructor's instructor, Rob Allemeyer, told Mr. Hoadley that I just wasn't tough enough. Mm. Best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, You know, I've never had that said to me again, so uh, that that made a change for me. And and they were right. I took it and took what they said. I didn't whine about it. I didn't say, oh, no, y'all are wrong. I, I I literally changed the way I thought about things in Taekwondo. That's interesting. So, so it's definitely the age has changed, but it's also they weren't that far from doing full contact fights, bare knuckle. You know, I've went to open tournaments where people got in fight with the corner judges. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so it was it was definitely more testosterone driven and we have become kinder and gentler in a lot of ways but also there was also a lack of thought process you know um i've been told and and i don't know how true i never saw this done but people standing on people's back to get them to do full splits you know tearing muscles ripping muscles somebody was always injured first school i ever went to had a tile floor oh now, as a 10-year-old, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, I could fall down and get right back up, but I can't imagine the adults sweating out there kicking and punching and free sparring with no gear, you know, on a hard tile floor, little 12 by 12 square linoleum tiles, um, pegboard wall. So it was definitely not the nice facilities you see now. So it's grown in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's interesting. Now I wonder, it is it just the culture of the time, or is or is it some other reason of why that you know stuff like this that would happen? You'd think would you know people would get in trouble for you know you you'd think that you know the authorities would be involved or somebody would take somebody to court or it, that seems odd to me that that you know wouldn't happen or did it? My instructor ended up in court once or twice. Oh, okay. not not very often. Um, I never will forget the last time I saw him grab a child by the ear and the mother coming on the floor and screaming at him, you know, don't touch my child that way. And he looked at her and 
point blank, and I'll never forget his words, this is why your son's going to end up in prison as soon as he turns 18. Basically, it was a bad kid, misbehaving, and my instructor had had enough and was trying to get his attention, and the mother didn't appreciate how he did it. And it's wrong. I, I would never, I have never grabbed a kid by the ear. If I, if I can't get them to understand me verbally, I don't mess with them at all. So that's probably the best option. I think yes. that's ways that Taekwondo has probably grown. Yes. And, and it's also, you know, Taekwondo has gotten younger throughout the years. Like I said before, the, there were the, the kids classes were tiny. It was the adult classes that were huge. And when I say adult classes, a lot of schools today talk about adults and they're talking about teenagers, right? 13, 14, 16, 17. I'm talking adults with families. Uh, I'm, talking people who had children my age taking class and there would be a class of 20 or 30 of them. So it's, you know, that has totally changed throughout the years as we've seen it. Yeah. And I suppose it's not like this, you know, everywhere in every school, but I, I would agree that it Taekwondo has gotten younger. A lot of Taekwondo schools and martial arts schools have a significantly higher uh, student base of of juniors of kids. Um, why do you think it is? Is it is it something? Is it is it that today more parents are looking to get their kids involved, or is it that adults are less likely to join, or a combination of both? What do you think? You know, some of it has to be the day and age. You know, parents are working a lot more. There's a lot more going on. Um, if you have children and you're bringing them to soccer, taekwondo, whatever you're bringing them to, and you have to sit there for an hour by the time you get home, cook dinner, do homework and everything else, do you really have time to work out in the evening? I know a lot more of the gyms are super successful at 5, 5.30 in the morning because people do workouts before they go. Well, taekwondo, you're not going to find many taekwondo instructors <laughs> who are going to get up at that time of day to go teach class because we're used to teaching in the evening, starting class. To this day, I work much better after 3 p.m. than I do before. And it's just I've been trained that way my whole life. Hmm. So I think some of it is because you are dealing with younger children, uh, you, you know, we've grown an understanding of how to exercise, how to keep from pulling muscles we used to sit down and stretch sit down and stretch before every class and that was the only stretching you ever did and before you stretched, the class right it wasn't a warm-up it was a stretch you did your your side splits your front splits you know uh, leg raises didn't come around until I'd been in it for years and years and years um, one of the things that changed over the years was gear we, we started with none um, and back then you free sparred from your first day it was not something where you learned to kick and punch first and then free spar. No, you free sparred the first day. So there were a lot more injuries that way. I can imagine. Yes. And, and since you don't have any gear on, uh, you know, the gear is to protect your partner that you're free sparring. It's not really you, except for the shin. The shin guards are, you know, the first time you kick somebody in the elbow with no shin guards on. So for years, I never wore shin guards. And when I say years, I opened my first school in 1991. I did not wear shin guards and would have never worn them except that um, the people in charge of the organization told me I had to start wearing them because I had to make my students wear them. And of course, so I started wearing them at that point, but up until that time, my shins really didn't have much feeling to them. So I could, you know, 
they'd been beaten for 10, 12 years, <laughs> they were fine. Now, to play devil's advocate here, you know, um, I would, I feel like that there are some people out there that would, you know, look at how Taekwondo was before, look at how Taekwondo is now and say that now it's more coddled and it's, and it's lot, you know, there's people that could look back and say it's lost that, you know, that rough edge to it that maybe they're looking for in a martial art. I would agree. I, I it, it has lost that rough edge. There's no doubt about it now. Um, you know, the MMA has come along, been hugely successful, and I think they've taken a lot of people who had done Taekwondo before that wanted more contact and were willing to risk injury and train more seriously um, and taking them to the MMA training, whereas Taekwondo has become more moms and dads are doing it. You know, you don't want your six-year-old child to come home beaten, you know, with black eyes and bloody nose. Um, our sport's very safe. I've never had a broken bone. I, I've never had stitches, you know, and, but I will say I've, I've seen numerous injuries and the injuries have changed over the years. Now the injuries seem to be people tearing their ACLs or, you know, so it's not a contact injury as much as an injury where they twist an ankle. They weren't, they weren't prepared in like their body. Like they weren't, their, their muscles weren't prepared for whatever movement they were attempting to do. Correct. Or something like that. Correct. So, uh, you know, the, one of the last tournaments I remember somebody getting seriously injured, somebody hit him with a spin heel kick and the, the guy was unconscious and it was a black belt division. And again, there was no big fuss. There was, no medical personnel called, right? So that's something that's changed throughout society. In football, people would get concussions and go right back in and play football. Now, all of a sudden, mm, they might have a concussion. We need to. So, you know, the pendulum swings, I think, both ways. And it's definitely, I was talking with someone and they were talking about, you know, in free sparring, it's just not that element of danger there used to be. And, and they're correct. The element, of, you know, we learned how to block and we had control that I, I will say that I think is much better than most people's today. And it was because we were forced to our right. instructor. We sparred adult men as 10 year olds who were, if you can imagine somebody who's not even a green belt, somebody who's a yellow belt, just learning spin sidekicks and spin crescent kicks, free sparring a 10 year old kid not knowing the rules or the control, uh, we got hurt. You know, you got bruises, you got bumps, and you learn to get out of the way and float like a butterfly. You know, it's, right. it's absolutely, when Muhammad Ali said that, I, I could relate to it right away. I understood because my instructor was a pretty big man, 220 pounds, notorious for looking at the ground instead of where he was kicking. So <laughs> you got hit, and if he asked you if you were hurt, if you said, yes, sir, I'm hurt, then... He would show you what real hurt was like. And that is something that has changed throughout. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine, I can't imagine that happening today in uh, Taekwondo school or any martial arts school. Well, I'm, it might happen somewhere. You know, I don't know. But just the idea of like, you know, if most we, we pay much more attention to injuries, you know, just like you were saying, though, with like, you know, I think it's a cultural thing overall, though, like with football, you know, they've made those changes too, where we we're much more aware and, you know, cognizant of 
some of the because you can get pretty hurt. It's, it's not absolutely. not all of it is is just bumps and bruises. Absolutely, absolutely. You still have um, Bob Morris, one of my favorite people in the world. You know, he got kicked in the eye with a three sixty heel kick by one of his good friends, and uh, you know it messed up his eye permanently. So. Yes, it's it's still dangerous, but it's definitely even that was that has probably been fifteen years, twenty years ago. You lose time when it's you know getting to the forty-five oh, yeah. year range. You start, but again, when I watch some sparring now, you know, and obviously, if you have a two hundred and twenty-pound man free sparring somebody who's one hundred and twenty pounds, they have to be careful. That they have a huge advantage. You know, it's, it's, if you're a third degree free spar and a green belt, again, you have to be careful. Um, in fact, when I first opened my first school in 91, I refused to free spar any of my green belts. I, I did not free spar any of my students until they got red belt hmm. because, and I had young guys who were like, Mr. Lacey, I can't wait to spar you. I can't wait to spar you. And then when they sparred me, they didn't not, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. Because I, I think we had the control that I, I could make them physically feel it without actually hurting them. Right. And, and right. So I, I think that's probably the definition that's changed a little bit is hurt. If you ask a kid now, are you hurt? And, you know, and they're just got a little bump. It, it's yes. Well, back then that's not hurt. That's you're not hurt unless you're actually being taken to the doctor. I wonder if that has, um, if that correlates um, with the general, changes in attitudes of like parenting styles. And as time goes on of, um, you know, cause you've got these ideas of like helicopter parents that want to protect their kids from, you know, all kinds of, you know, dangers and situations from the world. And I wonder if that rise of maybe a, a specific style of parenting, not that everybody does it, but that, that idea kind of coincides with the change in Taekwondo, because I mean, who, who, who are you making your program for? If not for your paying customers, if, if you are making, if you have a product, if you've got a Taekwondo school that is like full contact and the parents don't want full contact, well, they're not going to show up for their kid's class. Absolutely. And it, it's a very rare, you know, a lot of organizations have gone to being more appealing to a larger percentage of the population. Um, it, it's been years, but the, I was at a NAPMA conference and, um, one of the numbers they gave us was that like less than 1% of the population wants to do martial arts. So if you think about that, you know, how do you increase it? Some of the issues they had were women didn't want to wear all white. Hmm. Apparently that's not something you're supposed to do in fashion. I don't know. <laughs> um, At least after Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, they didn't find, didn't find the uniform made them look like they wanted to look. So um, a lot of people don't want to test. So schools have moved away from testing people. A lot of people don't want to free spar. Oh, I'd really love to learn the forms and learn the kicks and the punches, but I don't want to learn to free spar. I don't want to have to test in front of people. And so they're modifying their programs to make that more, to make that a possibility. So they have a larger group that they appeal to so they can make more money. I've never, ever been a fan of that. Um, I think we've gone about as far as we need to go and being more conscientious, um, you know, and, and you should always be very conscientious of people. You don't want people getting injured, but it's also, it's a fine balance. I, we are kicking and punching each other. And I, I know 
we're not doing ballet, right? right? My job is to teach you to protect yourself. And if you've never been actually kicked in the face, what happens in self-defense situation when you get punched in the face? You know, That's a good point. I've seen kids who, who've gotten hit in the face and they didn't blink. They didn't bat an eye. Um, my youngest son got his nose busted, blood everywhere. He was petrified because he thought I was going to be angry at him because I always tell my kids, don't bleed on my floor because I'll have to clean it, <laughs> right. right? You have to you take care, get your blood over to the bathroom. And, and so he was, the only thing that scared him was his father being unhappy with him because he was bleeding on the floor. And he had his hands under his nose. That's how much blood was coming out. But he didn't think twice about getting hit in the face because he had done it his whole life. So uh, to me, that's the element of self-defense that, you know, it's the Mike Tyson theory. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Well, if you've been punched in the face, you can continue with your plan and protect yourself. And if you've trained like that, yes. Now, do you think that Taekwondo in this in this shift, you know, over the over the years into this more um, softer and maybe if I use that word like the softer style, do you think it's lost some of that self defense aspect to it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I don't know that any martial art anywhere can say that, oh, we're perfect for self-defense. There are people who are mentally prepared to defend themselves before they ever start a Taekwondo class, right? They just don't know how to kick and punch. I think Taekwondo can teach you how to punch harder, how to, how to move better, you know, keep from getting hit. It can teach you how to deal with being hit. So yes, it, it improves your self-defense, but if you're starting, you know, at ground zero, and some people are starting at 80% of self-defense capacity before they ever walk in the door, maybe you get that ground zero up to where they're 20, 25% better at protecting themselves. You know, and again, too, another thing about that is everybody's like, oh, man, you get your black belt too fast in Taekwondo. Well, Taekwondo has always been black belt as the beginning, mm. right? For uh, I think a lot mm. of people, when you become a black belt, you automatically become an instructor in that program because you've done it for five or six years. Well, we have the same type setup. It's just ours is more pleasing to American society in that we have shorter term goals. And then you achieve those goals and build upon that. And then we stretch out the goals a little longer as you get higher in rank. So if you could, if you could, you know, just reach in and kind of steer the ship a bit, where would you head Taekwondo, you know, in the, in a similar direction? Would you correct course? Uh, any different ways for us personally for our organization i believe that people have the, the one change i would make the one thing that i look at and i'm not especially fond of is the way people are judging free sparring and i think sparring has become they almost want it to be a dance they want you know it went through a while there we're like oh well they're not doing enough advanced kicks and they're not doing with this pandemic that's going on um, I've been doing a lot of online classes for people. And yes, you don't have an imaginary opponent. You absolutely should be throwing all the 360s and showing all these because you're not really free sparring. Right. If you free spar anybody of quality and you throw 360s, and when I was 15, 16 years old until I was 35, if you had tried to throw a 360 against me, I would have taken it personal that you thought I was not challenging enough or dangerous enough. 
it's like it's like an insult. You're like yes. you thought you could you thought you could get away with that. Yes. It's like yeah. almost showy. Yes. You you're being showy. You're trying to show off for people, showing them that you can do fancy kicks. And and it's you know that definitely has changed. And I think people who fail people for, for sparring in my mind, sparring, the object of sparring is pretty simple. It's to not get hit. Which if you think about self-defense, the object of self-defense is to not get hurt. To right. not get hit. Right? Don't let them grab you. Don't let them hit you. And you're going to be okay. So that's where I think self... That's where our free sparring at for our organization has gotten to where people are more concerned about how it looks than how effective it is. I mean, there's so many things that factor into sparring that the overall concept of now, if they get out there and they don't engage, that's totally different. I know a couple of years back, we we had a grown man, an elder, I I say elderly, probably in his mid forties. Elderly. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Younger than me now. No, a very young man. So testing and basically he said uh, my whole goal of sparring was to not get hurt so he never really engaged he moved the whole time and he moved well but he never actually free sparred he never put himself they had to keep breaking and centering him up and so when he was told basically he's not tough enough that he needed to get in there and free spar in order to earn his fifth degree sixth degree whatever level it was he got angry and quit you know, and so that's a difference. You know, when I was told, when my instructor told me I didn't pass testing, I never once, my parents never once thought of fussing or complaining. My parents looked at me and smiled and said, hey, that's all right. Keep working. You'll get it next time. And their attitude allowed me to figure it out because they never complained. They never got angry. They never blamed somebody else. They always looked at me and said, look, you're doing fine. Just keep going. Just keep doing what you're doing and you'll figure it out. And I did. That's how I figured it out. They didn't try and figure it out for me. And I wonder if that's another, you know, I say that I was going to say, I wonder if that's another difference in like how Taekwondo has changed is like the attitude of parents, but it, it might be, but I also, I also see parents that are great Taekwondo parents and that have that mentality. And then I also see some that, that just want you to give their kid their belt. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's funny when you watch a testing, if a child doesn't break their board, a lot of kids react differently, but the ones you can tell that are going to really cry are the ones who turn and look at their parents. Mm. And if their parents look at them, gives them thumbs up or, or, or if they're sitting there shaking their head, how they react to their child is looking for that reaction. They want that reaction. If their parent is disappointed, then they're going to ball because they just disappointed their parent. If their parent is like, hey, it's no big deal, the child's going to have kind of that same attitude. Darn it. Okay, I'll I'll do it next time. And, And that's, I think that's been true throughout history. I feel as an instructor, I understand Taekwondo better than my instructor did. You know, my instructor had a passion for Taekwondo that I've never met anybody who had the same kind of passion. Now he instilled that in a lot of people and and a lot of people have that kind of passion now. Um, I did, but because he was passionate about it, but for him academically, he had, he he was a very artsy 
guy where as I was more mathematical, you know, analytic, you know, academic. So the way I explain things is more engineering like, whereas he talked about the wind and things like that. Maybe the more the more martial side and, yes. and versus the more art side. Yes. Yes. Mr. Lacey, I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast and sharing your words of wisdom and giving us kind of a, a sneak peek at how things were, you know, versus like how things are now. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. And a huge thank you to you, the listener, for joining us on today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more of the Hello Taekwondo podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on a bunch of other services. Uh, We're not yet on Apple Podcasts. That approval process takes a little bit longer, so we're working on that. If you want to help us get on Apple Podcasts, if you are enjoying the show so far, you can help us by sharing it with a friend. Uh, Tell a friend about the show, share it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media you want. And if you want to make sure that you hear every single episode, head on over to hellotaekwondo.com where you can get new episodes delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep kicking. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Hello Taekwondo podcast.